Bibles, if you would, this morning, and we're in Exodus chapter number 8. Exodus chapter number 8, if you're able to this morning, let's stand for the reading of the Word of God. Exodus chapter number 8, if you're visiting, there's a copy of the outline that you can follow in the bulletin. And if you look at the screen or your outline, uh, we're not going to play a game show this morning. How many of you are familiar with the old show that's actually got a newer version now, Let's Make a Deal? Anybody at all? And uh, you'll have to forgive your pastor. I've always liked game shows on television. I don't know why. It's just maybe one of those things that I struggle with in life or something. Uh, I like trivia. Um, Our daughter comes home, and uh, I'm, I'll, I'll just say this, you can, you can chastise me if you want, but we still watch Wheel of Fortune from time to time. And, uh, and my wife and I try to figure out the puzzle before the other one. We still watch Jeopardy. Your pastor's a loser, all right? But I still, and I get, you know, on the average, uh, about a half an hour of Jeopardy, I might get two, right, on every show, you know. But uh, I don't claim to know a lot of information. I just enjoy... Uh, trivia, things like that, and, and uh, it, it really, it's a very humbling thing to realize how stupid I am, um, but uh, it, it, every week it just reveals itself, really almost every day, <clears throat> but uh, this morning I want to uh, bring you to uh, uh, Exodus chapter number 8, and in the time that we have, I, I want to bring you back to something that I, I don't know why I've always been um, intrigued and at times troubled with um, the whole portion of Scripture where uh, the man of God has been sent there by God to, to bring his people out of Egypt's land, and how, how you find here that, that God would have uh, you know, Moses to, to face this man, Pharaoh, and... Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about the song that Miss Becky sang about uh, needing a hiding place. And I know that Moses many times probably thought, boy, I wish I had somewhere to hide from this Pharaoh. Uh, the plagues that God sent uh, at this time and, and those awful plagues that came on the land and, and just really uh, were devastating to uh, the cattle and, and, and the the. Uh, the crops, and so many other things, and yet uh, I want you to see some truths that God brought me to that I really believe that many, even God's people especially, have given way to, and it, it kind of brought back some thoughts to this show, and I want you to read with me this morning in Exodus chapter 8, beginning in verse number 1, and then we'll read after verse 1, we'll drop down to verse 25 of the same chapter, so if you're, you have a copy of the Word of God and you're following there, I just wanted you to understand what we're going to do. In verse number one, the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. If you drop down in verse number 25, Pharaoh called, the Bible says, for Moses and for Aaron, and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land, And Moses said, It is not meet so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we 
sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes? And will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only ye shall not go very far away, entreat for me. And Moses said, Behold, I go out from thee, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. But let not Pharaoh uh, deal deceitfully any more in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and he removed the swarm of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. There remained not one. And Pharaoh hardened his heart at that time also. Neither would he let the people go. And the thought this morning is, time and time again, what Pharaoh was saying to Moses was, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. I'll do this if you do this. And can I tell you this morning, we shouldn't be in the deal-making business. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Bless the Word of God, Lord, to, to the ears of those that are listening. May it lodge into our hearts. Help us to be men and women of conviction. Help us to know what we believe and why we believe it. Help us to have the Word of God and be directed and yielded to the Word of God in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. <clears throat> you know, the lesson this morning from the Word of God is not about this game show that I mentioned. The reality was I, I just came to realize how very old I'm getting when I did a little research behind this show that began four months after I was born. When the show started, it was uh, the, the host of the show was, if you remember, Monty Hall. Uh, it's got a newer version that's on now, but it's an interesting show because people, I may have a couple pictures here, people show up for this show dressed in all kinds of crazy costumes. Uh, they, they dress up, I mean, honestly, you're thinking, uh, these people are missing a few screws or something, uh, the way they show up for these. And as they show up dressed in these costumes, they are being offered merchandise, if you've ever watched the show. And as they're offered this merchandise, they're given opportunities that as they win things, then they can trade what they just won for something else. Now, what happens from time to time is, is that uh, they trade those items for things that they cannot see, things behind uh, hidden doors and behind boxes and in envelopes. In other words, it boils down to those contestants making a choice. They can either keep what they have or they can trade it for something better, they think, but many times what they end up getting is what the show calls a zonk. And I'm going to tell you some of that stuff that those people are given through these zonks, you wouldn't want any of it. You know, it's some old jalopy that doesn't run, something that's broke down, something that is worthless. And I was thinking to myself how true that is in the Christian life that God has given to us, just like he gave to his children, the nation of Israel, so many wonderful things. But we're never happy with the things that God has given to us. 
We always want to trade what God's given to us for something better. When in reality, what we end up with is something that is worthless, something that is not worth having. And I, I think about the passage this morning, and you might be saying, Pastor, what does this have to do with what we read this morning? Well, if you know the Word of God here in Exodus 8, before and after this chapter, God sent the man named Moses down to a place called Egypt. The whole reason, verse 1 that we read there, was God sent him there to lead his people out. See, Pharaoh was a taskmaster, a slave owner that had enslaved the people of God, the children of Israel, and, and God would have that Pharaoh would let his people go. Now, again, his people ended up there, but Pharaoh refused time and time again to let the people go. And because of that, because of his hardening of his heart, God then sends these awful plagues, in other words, the judgment of God in these 10 devastating plagues. And during the course of those plagues, as they begin to unfold before Pharaoh and the lands of the day down in Egypt, as those were beginning to unfold, Pharaoh began to offer in his way of letting God's people go. But it's interesting because he wanted to let them go on his terms. It was always what he wanted instead of what God wanted for them. Four times he offered to let them leave. But in each one of those opportunities to let them go, there was attached to that leaving a condition, a compromise on their part. And he was saying to Moses, look, I know that God has said to you that he wants his people to leave here, but... Before they go, let's make a deal. He wanted Moses to trade the things that God had given to them, that God had promised to them. And that's exactly what I see in so many people's lives, is that as you look in the Bible, here's what you find is there is something called types in the Word of God. Uh, there, there's actually something called typology. And again, you have to be careful about making everything in the Bible a type. But as you study the Word of God, I think it's pretty easy to understand that, that Pharaoh is, in the Word of God, a type of the devil. And Egypt is a type of the world. And you, can, you take those types, those symbols, and it's easy to see how uh, the devil was having his way with the, even the children of Israel, how that they, were, they went down into Egypt's land and how... So many times, that's what God's people do, is they tend to, instead of live in Canaan's land, they tend to live in the world. God would not have us to live in the world. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We study the Word of God, here's what you find. That when we got saved, God called us, to leave the world, to leave our old master, the devil, and to live for God, to leave all of that behind us. Now, listen, folks, that sounds easy sometimes, but every time we try to break our lives away from Satan and away from this world, we find the very same thing that Moses found was that the devil says, look, okay, I understand what you want to do, but... Let's think about this for a minute. Let's make a deal. 
I've got some conditions. I, I want you to compromise. And really, can I tell you, with the devil, there's never any upgrades. There's only zonks. The devil's never going to offer you anything worthwhile. I mean, I was showing one of our men this morning. I've got a picture from when we took the trip to Israel, and I was showing him on that picture there of the, where it's got the city of Jerusalem and the city of David and the city of Zion on that picture, and I showed him right there. I said, right there is what they refer to as the pinnacle of the temple. I said, if you know anything about the Bible, that's where the devil took the Lord and he took him into the wilderness and he put him on the pinnacle of the temple and he tempted him and he offered him all the things of this world. And I said to our, one of our, our men here, I said, listen, I'm going to tell you something. The devil is a counterfeiter and everything that he offers is counterfeit because he can't offer anything to us because he doesn't have anything worthwhile to have. And we need to understand in our lives that the devil is a liar. The Bible says in John 8, 44, year of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father will you do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. Did you see what the Bible said? No truth. Why do we listen to the devil? There's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. That's why we need to say, when the devil starts to sit on our shoulder and whisper in our ear, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not going to give in to you. I'm not going to listen. Look, you will either embrace Jesus and him alone, or you will entertain and embrace the things of this world. But can I tell you, you cannot have it both ways. This isn't Burger King. You cannot have it your way. Look what the Bible says in Matthew 6. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, the things of this world. See, if you're really living for Jesus, then here's what's going to happen is that your commitment to Jesus it will be offensive to this world that you live in. But if you're committed to the world, then guess what happens? Your lifestyle is offensive to the Lord. Now you choose. You decide how you want to live your life. I want to make sure that I am living a life It is one that would not offend this world that we live in other than the fact that if it is the Lord offending. But listen, he tried to help them understand that the sacrifices that they made, that those sacrifices are ones that would offend the Egyptians. You know why? Because the Egyptians considered cattle to be sacred animals. Matter of fact, they were, those animals were gods to those Egyptians. And if the Israelites began to sacrifice those animals in Egypt to Jehovah God, then there would be rioting, there would be violence that would happen. And the Egyptians, I'm going to tell you, they wouldn't understand when it came to true worship of God's people, and nothing has changed in the world we live in today, that the world cannot understand. You know, there are people that live around you in your neighborhood that see you get up every Sunday morning and get ready for church and leave and go to church. For some of you, you come home, you're there Sunday afternoon, and you come back to church on Sunday night. And the people that live around you are like, what is wrong with these people? Don't they know that you only go to church on Christmas and Easter? 
They go every Sunday morning. Some of them, if you, they're like my neighbors, they're thinking, my goodness, they go Sunday morning, they go Sunday night, and they go Wednesday night. I wonder what my neighbors think. He goes Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm at church every day. You say, you're the pastor. I understand that. But before I pastored a church, I was a Christian. And anytime the, the doors of the house of God are open, listen, we need to make sure that we are there to, to get the message. And listen, I'm going to tell you this morning that we have to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And the world that we live in, you know what? They find that the cross of Jesus Christ is a symbol to them, but it's a symbol of foolishness. The Bible says the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us that are saved, it's the power of God. Do you see the difference? How the world looks at the old rugged cross and how you and I who are saved, we understand the significance of that cross, the message of the cross, Today is, is not a message of tolerance. It is a divisive message that the world does not want to hear. Uh, the message of the cross is something that we need to understand. But the, listen, the, the world, we can't mix the message that Jesus gave to us with the music of this world and the methods of this world and the means of this world. You know why? Because the message of the cross and the things of this world, they mix like oil and water. In other words, they don't mix. The world thinks we are foolish. And listen, Satan will tell you that you can have Jesus and he can have, you can have the world too. But remember what we read in John 8, 44? He's a liar. You cannot serve God in mammon. Notice as the, they thought about this and as Moses uh, understood that deal where, where, where he, you know, Pharaoh was saying, look, why don't you just stay here and sacrifice here in Egypt's land? Can I tell you that it was, it was something that he understood that their sacrifices to their God, Jehovah, was something that would have offended the Egyptians. But notice he says, letter B, that it was not what God had commanded them. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 3, come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, anything less than doing what God asks us to do, you know what that's called? Compromise. If God asks us to do something, God expects us to do exactly what he asks us to do. This morning, if God is speaking to you about something, whether it was something you've been dealing with in your heart, whether it's something God brings to your mind and heart in the service today, to not obey God is to disobey God. And things must be done God's way. It is so important that God's servants, that the people of God, separate themselves from this sinful, wicked world that we live in. The Bible says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. When we as God's people, listen now, when we as God's people continue in our lives to walk with the world, what we are saying to the world and to our God is we are not interested in doing things God's way. Can I remind you what the Bible says in 1 Samuel 15? Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? 
as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. See, many times we pick and choose, but the fact is you cannot have God and the world too. You must choose. But the devil will try to do everything that he can to say to you and I during those times, well, let's make a deal. Why don't we talk about this? See, don't fall for his tricks. Can I tell you this morning, if he offers you an apple, that apple's full of worms. Whatever it is that the devil would entice you. Look, if Israel had taken that deal, then they would have never made it into the promised land. And when I think about that deal that that, that Satan offered here, listen, in our lives, just like on that game show, many times there's that box that he wants to offer to the contestants, and he says, would you like to keep what you have, or would you want what's in that box? And many times they're standing there holding something of great value, and not even knowing what's in that box. Well, I'll take the box. I see other times, you see like on the screen this morning, that sometimes they come out and they have a little bitty envelope. And he offers another deal. Here's the second deal that I see that Pharaoh offers to Moses. He says, why don't you just stay close by? Why don't you just stay close by? He offers him this envelope and, and he says, why don't you, well, let's make a deal, Moses. If, if the people, if you want to separate, he says, that's fine, but don't go too far away. Now listen, can I tell you, this is a deal that's offered to many believers by the enemy. In other words, what Pharaoh was saying to Moses was, let's make a deal. Look, you go ahead and be a Christian, but don't take it too far. And that's the way a lot of people are. They're like, well, listen, I, I, I'm saved, but the devil says, yeah, but, but don't be a fanatic about it. Now, boy, it doesn't take much for us when our favorite team comes on television, we're wearing all the attire, and we've got all the stuff, we're hooting and hollering, we've got a cheese head on our head, we're going to town about our favorite team, you know why? Because we're a fan addict, but when it comes to being a Christian, that's a different story, and the devil says, look, uh, you, you can be a Christian all you want, but just don't get too excited about it, see, look, the, the world and the devil, they, 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 they care that, that, you know, in your life, that, that you're living their way. They want you to live in this world. They don't want you to be a sold-out Christian. But I find in my life, it's hard to find a sold-out Christian. You know why? Because sold-out Christians are an abomination in this world. The Bible says this, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. See, a sold-out Christian is a threat to the devil. Satan wants us to live our lives just like the world around us. Just blend in. Just be like those that you work with. Look, don't be a fanatic. Don't, don't read your Bible. Don't talk about the Lord. The, the devil will say, try not to be too different from the world that you live in. See, be saved if you want to. But please don't sit around your workplace and talk to other people about Jesus. Don't tell somebody how they can know for sure that they're going to heaven someday. If you go to school, just blend in. 
Listen to the world's music. Don't listen to something that would glorify God, that would edify God. In other words, do the same things that the world is doing. And folks, listen, I'm going to tell you, if you live in Egypt's land and God is trying to bring you out, and that, that, by, by the way, that's where we were before we got saved, it's kind of hard sometimes to deprogram yourself. You know why? Because you've been living in the world for so long. That's why God says, come out from among them. I've heard this, and I think our teenagers are mature enough to understand this, and we're going to have a time of prayer for our teens before they leave to go off to camp tomorrow. And I hope you, you'll be praying. We've got some cards that we want. We'd like for each one of you to take at least one of our teens that's going to camp and take their name and and pray for them the entire week they're at camp that God will work on their hearts. But I've heard a lot of evangelists say to me over the years that when they preach a week-long meetings of camp, that generally when they preach that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's like preaching to just solid, cold, hard stone. And the Bible does tell us, and a lot of times people think, well, then why have camp? Because the Bible says the word of God is a, is a hammer that breaketh the rocks in pieces. I still believe that God's word can penetrate. It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. Listen, I believe that the word of God can work, but... I've heard many evangelists say but that a lot of times what they see is about Thursday a softening. And then on Friday they said it's almost like heaven opens. And teenagers are getting right with God. Now I'm glad that happens, but isn't it a shame that it takes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for something to start to happen? And here we are, we come to church one, maybe one, twice a week. We need God's word to help us to understand that we should be different, that we should be sold out. God wants our lives to be a witness for him. The Bible says in Matthew 5, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If you're saved this morning, can I tell you the best thing for you and the best thing for me is to get as far away from this world as possible. I'm not saying get in your car and drive to some remote place. I'm saying that you need to get alone with God. You need to shake off the dust of this world. You need to get on your face before God and help God to understand. Look what Isaiah said. He put it this way. Depart ye, depart ye. Go ye out from thence. Touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her. Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. Folks, you're not going to do that if you're willing to take the deal from the devil. You see, the devil many times will put a box out and he'll say, would you like to trade what you have for what's behind this box? He'll hold an envelope out 
and say, would you like to trade what you have from God for what's in this envelope? But then I see a third deal that he offers, and I want you to take your Bibles, if you have them, and turn over to chapter number 10 of the book of Exodus. I want you to see this third deal in Exodus chapter 10, beginning in verse number 7. The Bible says, And Pharaoh's servants said unto him, How long shall this man be a snare unto us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Knowest thou not yet that Egypt is destroyed? And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Go, serve the Lord your God. Now that part sounds good. That's what God wanted him to do. And he, he says, Go and serve your God. But notice, here's the deal. But who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds will we go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you as I will let you go, and your little ones look to it. For evil is before you. Not so go now, ye that are men, serve the Lord, for that ye did desire, and they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Now notice he puts this third deal. Here it is. It's what's behind the door. You see, sometimes on the show, they a lot of times people think, well, if it's a bigger box or it's a door, there must be something really good behind that. Can I show you what this third deal is? He says this, why don't you just split your families? You know, the devil doesn't want there to be homes, Christian homes. The devil wants to destroy the family. Can I remind you, if you look back just a few chapters in the Bible, all the way to Genesis, you'll find that the first institution God established was the home. And the devil's been doing everything he can to destroy the family. But this is the deal that he offers. And he says to Moses, hey, look, let's make a deal. He says, you can take the men and you can go serve your God, but leave the rest of the family out of it. Why don't you leave your family here? If you want to live for God, then go ahead and live for God. But don't try to change those around you. Why don't you just leave the rest of your family out of it? You know why? Because Satan wants your family. Satan wants your children. He wants to devastate and destroy and doom your family. He does not want you to have a godly Christian home. He doesn't want you to be in control of your children in the home. Boy, I see so many times the children running the home instead of the parents running the home. And the devil loves that when that happens. He wants you to, to allow your children, as young as they may be, to be making their own decisions for their life. But you and I need to understand the truth is that if we give our children to the world, the world will give them back to us as pagans. I'm not ready to do that. The Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it from him. See, Satan doesn't want... You'd have a godly Christian home. He doesn't want husbands and wives to get along together. He wants to drive a wedge between the two of you, causing you to fight and 
becoming enemies instead of being friends and partners for life. And look, he, he wants you to, to, to destroy your home, but we need to be together as our, our couples retreat will, uh, will focus on better together. We need to be, get, be together to raise our children, to raise our families. Look, I'm going to tell you, it's the parents' responsibility. It's not the school system, and it's not the television, and it's not the internet to raise our children. It is the parents' responsibility. Train up a child in the way he should go. You know what the world and the internet and the television and the school system does? It doesn't train up a child, it trains down a child. The things that children are learning that they ought not to uh, allow to go into their eye gates and their ear gates and into their hearts. But the Bible says if we train them up in the way they should go, when they are old, they will not depart from that, uh, that truth that they have been taught. And we're to tell them, look, you're to take your children and instruct to them what is right and wrong and the things that are wrong and why they're off limits. Look, you and I as parents, we need to decide what will and will not be done in our homes. It's not for the children to decide what to do. You know what children need to be taught? They need to be taught the Word of God. They need to be taught that if they're not saved, that they need to be saved. They need to be taught how to obey God, how to obey their parents in the Lord. But listen, the devil wants to offer the deal. Hey, look, you can go serve your God, but why don't you just leave the rest of your family out of it? And I'm going to tell you this morning, God wants your whole family to follow him, to serve him. Don't take that deal, even if it is behind door number three. But there's one more deal that I want you to see that Pharaoh tries or the devil tries to get us to take. And I want you to see this. Look in chapter 10 again in your Bibles in verse number 24. The Bible says, Pharaoh called unto Moses. And he said, Go ye, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. And Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not an hoof be left behind, for thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God. And we know not what, what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. Now I want you to see this because this is the big one. Remember, if you've ever watched the show, you get to the end of the show, and the host knows which person ended up with the most money from the deal that they made. And so he intentionally goes to that person and says, will you take, and many times it's something very valuable, and he says, will you take that and will you trade it behind curtain number four? And many times, those people, without even a split second, I'm going for the big deal. I want what's behind that curtain. And the reality is they have no idea what's back there. They have no idea what the devil is trying to entice them. Can I show you this fourth deal that is offered to Moses for the children of Israel? Look, he's saying to them, why don't you just surrender your possessions? Surrender your possessions. He says, look, let's make a deal. If you want to serve God, go ahead. But I'll tell you what, here's what you need to do. Leave all your possessions behind. You can take yourself and leave Egypt's land, 
but leave everything else, all your resources, I want you to leave it here. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do in your life, is that if you want to serve God, listen, if you want to in your heart serve God, go ahead, but give your living, everything that you are, everything that you have, give it to the world. And this is what we see is this deal, and, and, he, and Moses tells Pharaoh, he says, look, those animals, the flocks that we have, they, they might represent our earthly possessions, the things that we have. It was a different day than it is today. But Moses says that's, that's what we have. And Pharaoh wanted uh, him, him to leave those resources behind. And when he offered this, you know what, Moses, and I, I'll tell you my hat's off to Moses, he rejected the offer. He says, no deal. He says, those things that we have, everything that we have, everything that we are, he says, we're leaving with it. We're not leaving one thing behind. We're not giving this world one iota of what we have. He says, not even one hoof. He says, we're going to take it all. And here's why. Because he says, when we get there, when we get to where we're going to serve our God, he says, we don't even know what we're going to need until we get there. And God's the one that gave us to us. And so thank you, but no thank you. I'm not going to compromise to the devil. I'm not going to leave one thing behind. And we need to be like Moses and refuse to leave anything in this world God wants everything that we have and everything that we are. That includes our time. God wants us to give our tithe. God wants our talents. In the end, you know what God wants? Like Uncle Sam, he wants you. Lock, stock, and barrel. God wants all of you. God wants you. He wants your family. He wants all that he's blessed your life with. When God has you, then he will have what you need to make it through this life. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Folks, if I just stop right there, that'd be enough. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. But many times those things are what we go after. Folks, look, don't leave anything at all behind for Satan to use. Don't leave your money. Use it for the glory of God. Honor the Lord with your money and God will bless your life. Say, Pastor, you don't understand. It's my money. I earned it. I sweated. I, I toiled all week long to make that. Can I remind you what Malachi said in chapter 3? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? And the Bible says, in tithes and offerings, ye are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now here's the instruction. He says, if you want to bless life, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. And I will, look, he says, if I will not open you the windows of where? Heaven. And pour you out a what? blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Folks, are you understanding what the Word of God is saying is many times what is rightfully God's, we say, look, I understand that. I see that in the Word of God, but I'm going to choose that I'm going to keep this. I'm going to give it to the world. I'm going to waste my money like that son that wasted it on riotous living. Can I tell you this morning, the only way that you're going to receive the blessing from God on your life and the blessings from God on your family 
is by obeying God. And you say, well, wherein have we run? Well, according to the prophet, in tithes and offerings. Now, again, back in that day, it was a different economy. Their animals were their increase. And he says that there might be meat in mine house. Prove me herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. Look, God wants to bless your life, but the only way God can do that is as you and I are obedient to his word. Christians should know that everything that you have and everything that you possess is a gift from Almighty God. And what are we to do? Honor him by investing in his kingdom work. Look at the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Every man as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God wants to, 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 to he wants us as his people to give to his work. But listen, as we give, we're only going to give to him as we love him. If we love stuff more than we love him, we're not going to give to the work of God. And we need to see this morning that many times we fall into this taking that deal. One thing I know for sure is that the Lord will take care of his work, that God will take care of the church, that he will do it through people that love him. See, I don't understand it all. I just know that it works, that God will take care of his children. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God will always take care of his church and the work of God. But listen, it's not just about the money. Don't let the world have your attention. Don't let the world have your time. Don't let the world have your children. In other words, just like Moses told Pharaoh, he says, I'm not leaving one iota here in Egypt's land. I'm taking everything out of here. I'm not giving one thing to this old world. And when we break with Satan and the kingdom of Satan, we need to come totally and completely out of that situation. We need to leave Egypt's land. And if we leave any treasure at all in the world, there will always be a tug on our hearts, you know what? To go back and to retrieve whatever that is that we left in the world. That's why there needs to be a complete break. Don't give in to that deal. Look what the Bible says in Matthew 6. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon where? Earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, where, where have you invested the things that matter the most to you? Because wherever you're making your investments... According to the word of God, that's where your heart is. You see, God says, listen, don't take that deal. I think about deals that were made in the word of God, and certainly we could see in the passage before us this morning how Pharaoh, time and time again, as a type of the devil, was trying to entice Moses and the children of Israel to stay in the world. Don't leave the world. Don't go serve God. Folks, I hope you... You won't take what's behind that box, what's behind that uh, curtain, what's in that envelope, those deals that the devil's offering to you. But I think of one other illustration of what I'm trying to get across this morning was two brothers in the Bible by the names of Jacob and Esau. 
Amazing story, just like any other brothers, they were different. They each kind of led a different type of life. One was a hunter out in the field, the other one was more of a homebody. Certainly two boys that in various ways pleased their parents, but Esau, according to the Bible, was the oldest. And because he was the oldest, the way the Jewish family structure was set up, and you still see some of this today, according to their tradition, he was entitled to what the Bible refers to as a double portion, twice as much as the younger brother of his father's estate. As a matter of fact, he was entitled to take over the head of the family when the father passed away. There's a lot of things that were handed down, and the Bible records that one day Esau was out in the field, and when he returned home, he was hungry. And when he came home, his brother had made a bowl of soup. Now, nothing wrong with that. Some, we got a lot of men in our church to cook. I like to cook myself. That doesn't make somebody uh, an, an effeminate type of person. But his, his brother loved to cook, and so he came home, and he was starving to death. According to the Word of God, he thought he was. And here he is, a bowl of soup. Now, I like soup. Soup's good. But he thought he was going to die if he didn't get something to eat. There was no McDonald's. He just had to get something to eat. And he saw that his brother Jacob had been cooking, and he asked him for a bowl of soup. And you know what Jacob said to him? Let's make a deal. Tell you what, how much you want that bowl of soup? I'll make a deal with you. You sell me your birthright. I'll give you a bowl of soup. Now, if you're like me right now, you're thinking, how ridiculous there is no soup on this planet worth that much. But he thought he was going to die. Got to have a bowl of soup. He never thought about how precious what he had been given, what was rightfully his from his father. And he took something so awesome as a birthright and he says here i give it to you he didn't see the value in it can i say to you by looking at that bowl of soup as good as it was for however many minutes he got zonked it wasn't worth it look at the bible says in genesis 25 jacob said sell me this day thy birthright and esau said behold i am at the point to die what profit shall this birthright do to me and Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. Notice he didn't give it to him until after he sold the birthright, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Only a fool would have made that deal. For a bowl of soup, he despised it. What a price! That he paid. You know what we oftentimes don't see when we're willing to make the deal? We don't see the price tag. How much it's going to cost us to take that deal. I hope you see the game that the devil's playing when he says, let's make a deal. I've got something that you want. You know what he's got for you? He's got a zonk. Let's bow our heads this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I hope you haven't traded your testimony, something that's precious that God's given to you 
or something as worthless as a bowl of soup, an empty promise. If you have, can I tell you that that can be changed today? That he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness, the Bible says. If you'll come to him, God will forgive you. If you've listened to the lies of the devil and you never come to Jesus for salvation, according to the word of God, Jesus is inviting you to come to him. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Don't trade your life for something as worthless as what the devil's offering. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the invitation this morning. Lord, I know that you're speaking to hearts. I pray that you'd help folks. Some may have already taken the deals, and they're finding that it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Lord, I pray that you'd help them to come and say, Lord, forgive me. God will forgive you. Might be some this morning that the devil's enticing. He's trying to get you to make that deal, to stay in the world instead of living for God. He wants to destroy your family, and some may be here this morning say, the devil's after my children, but I'm not going to let him have them. The devil wants my possessions, but I realize that they are from God. And I'm going to use them to honor the Lord. We're going to be different. Our family's going to be different. But it all boils down to a choice to not give in to the wiles of the devil. Bless this invitation, Lord, as you have spoken to hearts, may they be willing and obedient to come to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand?